Exodus chapter 12, we're nine plagues into Egypt's judgment, and Pharaoh is still refusing to let Israel go. It began with the Nile River being turned to blood, and Pharaoh has had nine different opportunities to release God's people. Yet time and time again, Pharaoh is refusing. About six times throughout all these different plagues, we read that Pharaoh is hardening his own heart before God. Every time God gives him a sign or a punishment or a judgment to get him to let Israel go, Pharaoh simply digs in, becomes more stubborn, and absolutely refuses. It isn't until Exodus chapter 9 verse 12 that we see God actually begins hardening Pharaoh's heart. God is essentially saying, if you want to go that way, feel free. I won't stop you. I might even help you go down the wrong path if you choose to insist. So as Pharaoh refuses to obey God, God insists that the beatings are going to continue. So God has, as his final plague on Egypt, the death of the firstborn. In that day and age, the firstborn was the favorite child. He received a larger portion of the inheritance, and he would exercise authority over the extended family after their father had died. Pharaoh's own firstborn would die in this plague as well and disrupt the dynasty. And so what we have in this plague is not just judgment, but a poetic justice. Pharaoh in Egypt had waged war against Israel by throwing all the Hebrew baby boys into the Nile. Well, now God is getting vengeance by striking down their children on this night. But God is not just striking Pharaoh and all of Egypt. Take a closer look at verse 12. God speaking says, On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals. And I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. So these plagues are not just God's way of coercing Egypt into submission. It is also God bringing judgment on all the gods of Egypt. It is a demonstration of our God's authority over any other religious system or God. You have to remember in the minds of the ancients, you would worship the gods for a better and a more fuller life. But these plagues showed how useless these gods were in protecting their worshipers from the one true God. So God is not only judging Egypt, he's exposing the Egyptian pantheon for what it is, nothing. But God is not only judging here. We also see a great picture of salvation. The day of the 10th plague, God also institutes the Passover feast for Israel. In order to celebrate this feast, each household was to take a lamb from either the sheep or the goats, and on the 14th day of the month, they would slaughter it. They would take the blood of that lamb, and they would paint the doorposts of their house with it. They would eat the lamb, anything left over was burned up, and the blood of the lamb was a sign to the angel of God who would pass over that house and not slay the firstborn. And notice how everything is to be done with speed. God announces the tenth plague in Exodus chapter 11 verse 4, Thus says the Lord, About midnight I will go out in the midst of Egypt. So the people need to move quickly to prepare. And as soon as God finishes with the plague, we read in Exodus 12 31, that during the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up, leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go and worship the Lord as you have requested. So God's deliverance all happens in the space of less than 24 hours. It's sudden and it's dramatic. And so he commanded his people to be prepared for it. There's no time to leaven the bread. There's no time to boil the lamb or fuss over dishes. It's simply roasted over the fire. Nothing could be saved for the next day, so the only way of preserving it would be to take the time to salt it, but they don't have time for that. 
Meanwhile, they are to eat it fully dressed, travel staff in hand, and the very next day, they end up leaving their homes in Egypt and going into the wilderness to meet God. Now, throughout this chapter, we're reminded that this is going to be a regular feast to memorialize the Exodus. Verse 42, we read that because the Lord kept vigil that night to bring them out of Egypt, on this night, all the Israelites are to keep vigil to honor the Lord for generations to come. The Exodus is the defining moment for God thus far. Throughout the book of Exodus, it's repeated that everyone will know the Lord. And by Exodus chapter 12, we've discovered him not only as a judge over our enemies, but also the Savior for his oppressed people. Now, this event becomes so fundamental to knowing who God is that we see these themes of the Exodus repeating themselves throughout the New Testament as well. For example, when Jesus was transfigured on the mountain, Luke chapter 9, verse 31, he's speaking to Elijah and Moses, and the translations will say that he spoke of his departure, but really, it's the same Greek word that you would use to say he spoke of his exodus. So just as God led his people out from bondage in Egyptian slavery, now Jesus is leading his people out from the bondage of sin. Jesus did this by becoming the very Passover lamb himself. So God's wrath is going to pass over us and leave us alone. The night before his death, they're celebrating Passover, and Jesus takes the symbols of the Passover feast and reapplies them to himself. Take, eat this bread, it is my body broken for you. Take, drink this cup, this is my blood of the new covenant. So every Sunday then is a memorial to the death of Jesus who died for us. And so as we consider the Passover feast and our relationship to Jesus, who was our Passover lamb, we need to take on the same dress and attitude of the Israelites in chapter 12. Be prepared to travel. We are strangers in a strange land, called to be a part of the world, but still distinct from it. And so when we remember the death of Jesus in the Lord's Supper, by taking the unleavened bread, we are remembering that we are destined for a promised land and have no time for the riches and pleasures of this life.